This is Scott Becker with the Becker's Healthcare Podcast together with the Becker Private Equity Podcast. We're talking to a regular guest who's an expert on sort of this intersection of healthcare and private equity. We're talking today with Matt Wolf of RSM, and he's going to tell us what he's seeing sort of currently trends in the private equity investment in healthcare. We'll talk a little bit what this means for hospitals and health systems, what it means for doctors, and so forth and so on. Matt, take a second to introduce yourself. Then I'm going to ask you, what are you seeing currently in terms of private equity investing in healthcare? Thanks, Scott. Happy to. Um, Matt Wolf, I've been in the private equity healthcare space for about 15 years. I helped lead that team at RSM, um, and I'm also one of our healthcare senior analysts. So I spend a lot of my time not only serving clients, but also just studying what's going on in the macroeconomic environment, what's going on in private equity, what's going on in healthcare, and as you mentioned, the the intersection of all of that. And you know, we've been seeing broadly across deal activity and, and a lot of the sponsors that we work with or just the deals that we see is this sort of um, paradigm shift from buying EBITDA to growing businesses. Uh, not to say that prior to this sort of interest rate environment that private equity wasn't invested or interested in growing the businesses, we just did it in a different way, right? The the platform plus tuck-in playbook served us well for, for many years. Um, and, and while that's still the playbook, I guess, it's been, been modified. Um, so instead of putting together sort of as many physicians or as much EBITDA as you can can reasonably find at an attractive multiple, um, really looking at what kinds of investments do we need to make into these um, platforms as whole periods maybe begin to lengthen a little bit, uh, you know, where the cost of capital has increased. So we need to be more careful about how we deploy capital. And, and that's changing the sort of calculus around do we just buy more EBITDA or do we invest in the platform that we have into new technologies, new solutions, maybe more de novo growth that we can kind of better understand that ROI and grow the platform that way. Um, so th there's been a paradigm shift in that regard. Um, still seeing a fair amount of deal activity, you know, nothing like kind of the end of, of 20 or excuse me, 2021 into 2022, um, when, when there's just deal after deal after deal. Um, but it's it's a healthy deal flow uh, with more focus on making some of these investments that we know will drive ROI, given some of the uncertainty around interest rate environment and valuation multiple environment. Thank you very much. And, and take one step back for our health system audience. When you talk about a platform, Give an example of what you mean by a platform versus a bolt-on. And I know some of this is apparent to a ton of our listeners what this is. It's not apparent to everybody. But just to find for a second, sort of generically, what you mean by a platform? Uh, let's talk in the practice management space because I think everybody in healthcare can understand that. Everybody in private equity can explain this. What's a platform? And then what are bolt-on acquisitions? Oh, yeah, yeah. Thank you, Scott. Happy to. Um, so classic example would be there's a geographic market and – there's an orthopedic group that has eight to 10, maybe 12 uh, physicians of various specialties. And that's, you know, in the world of orthopedic surgery practices or, or independent orthopedic practices, that's a fairly sizable one. Um, and so a, a sponsor may co-invest or, or sort of purchase that 
platform alongside with the doctors, right? Because we want to always make sure the doctors are making the medical decisions and we structure our transactions that way. But that size of a practice would be the, the platform. And then what you would do are these, these tuck-in acquisitions in neighboring geographies generally of the one to three provider groups that, okay, you, you bring them onto the platform and presumably the platform has a very scalable billing solution, back office processes and solutions that you can then move these smaller tuck-in acquisitions onto those systems and drive some efficiencies there in the back office that then let all the doctors better focus on caring for patients and, and serving patients. And you can build some, some back office synergies that way. Thank you very much. And I, and I almost think of a platform is even bigger than that. You know, a 50, 60 person practice, a hundred person practice might be a platform that, that a private equity fund invests in. And then they're buying lots of smaller practices to add on to this. And what happens from a hospital system perspective is when a private equity driven specialty platform or practice comes into your neighborhood, it could cause concerns at the local health system as to whether those physicians will study well to the health system where they'll go off on their own, do their own surgery center, do their own other activities. You know, what will be this synergistic relationship as the practice evolves more independently, more driven by private equity and less tied to the hospital will have an impact in those kinds of relationships. And I think we all watch a lot of those kinds of things to see what will happen. Matt, you've also looked at a lot of technology-based transactions where people are investing in a technology company that serves healthcare. Are you seeing a lot of activity there too? Absolutely. Um, and, and a lot of this technology is meant to help um, address some of those communications between independent or private equity practices and the hospitals and health systems. You know, we, there, there's a few different um, shifts in healthcare that are really driving a lot of these technology investments in plays. And one of those is the shift or the movement towards more and more value based care bundled care, uh, those, you know, the step away from fee-for-service models. And that requires a lot of communication and coordination, whether that provider is with a health system, for-profit, not-for-profit, whether they're an independent practice, private equity back, they all have to communicate together to execute on value-based care contracting, which is where the ecosystem is at least slowly moving. Um, and there's a lot of really fascinating technologies and developments and investments going on, on in that part of the healthcare ecosystem to support those partnerships. Because, you know, at least from our perspective, right, I mean, I know people have varying views on private equity's involvement in healthcare. Um, regardless, it's, it's going to be here for, for some time. Um, and so we need to figure out a way to, for everybody to communicate, work well, and coordinate care. And there's some really fascinating technologies that, that will help us do that in the future. Are there health systems that are investing side by side with private equity funds and transactions? And what do you see there? Yes, um, it's it, honestly, it's more so on the technology side. That's where we see a lot more of those sort of joint investments. Um, we have seen it in, in primary care, um, post-acute care, home health. We've seen some of those those joint investments. It's not something that, that just being completely transparent with you, Scott, I thought would be a lot more popular. Um, and and we, we've seen an uptick in it, but it's still, it's still somewhat uncommon. 
Thank you. I mean, you do have more and more, uh, and maybe you'll help to find this, health systems investing in venture capital sort of efforts, uh, a lot of systems of venture capital arms where they're investing in technology firms and so forth. I, I saw, for example, Flare Capital Partners and Hospital Special Surgery just invested in a PT platform of venture capital fund. I viewed as more venture capital because it's sort of brand new. What's the distinction? Just, I mean, how do you look at and define the distinction between venture capital and private equity? For many people that don't live in these areas, it's all a blur, really. They're all financing type stuff. But how do you sort of differentiate when you think of venture capital, which a lot of hospitals are investing in, versus private equity deals, which less hospitals are investing in? How do you differentiate venture capital versus private equity? Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of different ways to to evaluate that, and I would say maybe maybe we can target it towards more of the kind of traditional health system hospital type of of audience, um, as opposed to you know like a finance undergrad student, right? Um, so for for the hospital healthcare audience, the way I would think about it is going side by side with private equity. You're looking to kind of make a sustained relationship in a in a business in an organization that is meant to certainly grow to maturity, but is is a little bit more proven, right? It's a proven business model. There's proven economics. There's proven metrics. Um, you're you're hopeful that there's upside, that there's movement to expand. This is where you'll invest in things like primary care provider groups or post acute care. Those sort of tried and true types of models. When it comes to venture capital investing, these are more investing in ideas, many of which will not work out, will not come to fruition. Um, some will, and they could be absolute game changers, right? It's, um, it, it's really kind of finding the, the one idea out of 20 or 100 that will really, really change the game. Um, the other thought around venture capital though too is because these are you're investing in ideas and you're investing in founders and entrepreneurs uh, you can learn a lot right so it, even if an investment doesn't work out in the space as an organization you have an opportunity to take that learning take what worked well what didn't work well in that idea and and scale that through your organization and learn from those investments learn from those mistakes and i think that's a that's a big benefit to a large health system type organization that generally is a little more more mature a little less nimble um, and having access to that learning on the venture capital side can be very very valuable no it's really fascinating i mean sometimes i think about venture capital more early stage private equity more already has some income already a real company private venture capital more early stage. And again, you know, I think the latest that I saw in a typical venture capital fund, you know, 10 or 20% of the investments might drive all the returns, um, all the returns, 40% might get your money back, 60% you'll lose money or you'll lose your money. Whereas in private equity, you really expect all the companies to sort of perform and a few of them perform really well to drive returns on investments. The difference between venture capital, the few that perform might be outside success, successes and lead to much higher returns. And thus, you're more risk in venture capital and private equity, but you hope for better returns. But it means those couple of companies that really work got to work out big. And, and in healthcare, you do see a lot of um, health systems trying to monetize some of their ideas, their research, or other things that end up being more venture capital driven. Sometimes when you see a health system partner uh, in a dialysis facility or business, some other kind of business, that would be more partnering with a private equity fund and those kinds of businesses that are already existing, driving EBITDA and so forth and so on. Uh, exactly Matt, anything, right. Any, 
anything else that's on your agenda that you're watching currently right now in sort of healthcare private equity? I mean, you know, we're we're trying to keep our finger on the pulse of DC as well. Um, so much of whether it's private equity backed or not, what happens in healthcare comes from the Hill and trying to, you know, sort through new committee appointments, um, the forthcoming debt ceiling debates, um, and just trying to understand, you know, as we unwind from the public health emergency, we begin Medicaid redetermination processes again. What does that mean for the future reimbursement and regulatory environment across healthcare? What does that mean for operators? What does that mean for investors? Um, and really just trying to, to, to stay on top of that as much as we can. There's going to be a a lot of information coming from DC here over the next few months uh, and a lot to sort through. More, more to talk about on future episodes for sure. No, 100%. I mean, it does seem like Washington is just sort of a mess I mean, on all sides. That's not <laughs> negatively towards either side. It just seems like a mess, but, but we keep watching regardless. Uh, thank you again for joining us today on the Becker Private Equity Podcast, which is a joint podcast today with Becker's Healthcare, uh, talking about what you're seeing in healthcare investing with private equity funds, venture funds, so with Matt Wolf, RSM. RSM, for those that don't know, is the fifth largest accounting firm in the world, uh, right after the big four and growing quickly, and is sort of the biggest healthcare private equity practice of all of them. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you. Thank you, Scott.